It's episode 145 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is John Hocker. Hi Stuart. Hi John. How, how are, are you? you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> very well. I'm I think we're both well. really tired. We are very tired. Do you want to tell the audience why we're tired? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, because we've just been doing an all day. It's an all weekend musical improv workshop with Heather Urquhart and Joe Samuel. Samuel. Joe Samuel. Of um, the Maydays. Of the Maydays. Who are both geniuses. Yes, they are. Yes, in they different are. ways. Um, um, what has been the highlight of your day? That's a hard question to start with. No, that, um, I think the most recent highlight has been um, doing the um, Road uh, Hell's Angels <laughs> Hiker Gang, which was the finale, uh, which was amazing, and is one of the reasons I'm so sweaty at the moment, um, which is great. So in that song, John Galkey set up the chorus. <laughs> and no one knew what he said. Oh, <laughs> really? Because I, I didn't know what he said. So I asked him afterwards. Um, burned rubber. Yes. Burned rubber. Yes. Open road. Yes. Burned rubber? Yes. Yeah, I got that later, but I didn't get the open road bit. So, oh, I got the open road bit on the first one. Oh. But I thought he said land robber, <laughs> land robber, <laughs> open roads, land robber. And when I spoke to him afterwards, he went, well, that would have been more of an A to C rather than an A to B. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I suppose land robber they are in a way, land robbers. Highway. Yeah. 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 I was like, John, that's really, oh, I see. Yeah. Burnt rubber. Burnt <laughs> rubber. That makes a lot more sense now, so, so there you are. Um, there is something I want to mention to you, actually, which is you said um, you had a lovely bit and it was about um, magic and you said Gandalf was better than Harry Potter. And you had this uh, the lovely line and it was um, the elves all call him a Yeah, No, they don't. Um, that's his Gondorian name. The elves would call him Olorin because that was his name in the Undying Lands. So I love... Lord of the Rings references. <laughs> but just get him right, Stuart. Just, just don't fuck him up, you know? Like, That's, no, that, just, I mean, I, I, um, I take that, yeah, no, I yeah. accept that. Thank you, yeah, good. I thought, hey, I'll mention Mithrandir, that'll make John happy. Yeah. Turns out, not so no, much. I made deeply unhappy, actually. Um, I'm very upset. As you can tell from, uh, just, yes, the paraphernalia. Uh, anyway. No, that was good. It was a lovely, lovely song, though. Really oh, nice. thank you very much. Although I did feel that it was... Well, maybe that's why people weren't really singing along to that line. They're because like, they, they knew that the elves didn't call him Mithrandir. Yeah, exactly. Like, Gondor, you idiot. Gondor. No, no, no. no, no. no. Ororin is his, is his, undying, like his, his name is a Maiar spirit in the Undying Lands. Ah. Mithrandir was his Gondorian name. Right. Um, but, I mean, there were probably some elves who called him Mithrandir. I mean, I mean, they were wrong to do were, so. Exactly, they were, they were wrong too. So <laughs> if I meet them, I will tell them. Um, so um, you're involved in about a million things, which is brilliant. Yes. Um, tell me about Wayward Souls. <gasps> I would love to. Um, Wayward Souls is um, a four-person improv group, which um, is consists of myself, Jen Hardy, James Ryan, and Louise Stringer, um, who are all amazing improvisers that we work with together. That we all work together in a lovely way. And so we formed, we all met in John Trevor's level two class. So yeah. we came with the Trevorian Birmingham School of Improv. And we came with, the, yeah, we met in John Trevor's level two. Um, and we formed the Wayward Souls after like, like a couple of like little. <laughs> Sorry, there's, I live next to a road. Um, <laughs> we had a couple of, um, like, you know, like attempts of like forming other like groups and shows. And this was one we sort of settled on, the four of us. Um, and I love improvising with them. We do a show called Ground Prov Day. Oh. Now I say do. We did it once in July. Uh, we had didn't do anything since. We didn't even rehearse for like six weeks after. And now this month we're performing four times together. Wow. So this one's manic. We've already done one. We've got another one coming up next Wednesday, which we're hosting. The Wednesday after that, we're doing another show. And then we're, do, oh, well, um, we're doing another thing, which is the Dante's Improv No thing, which we'll get to. Talk to you in a minute. Um, so uh, tell me about Ground Prov Day. How does that work? So, uh, if I describe it to you, there'll be people who go, that's really interesting, and there'll probably be other people who go, it's just a Harold. Um, <laughs> it is not just a Harold, it is a three-act story. Right. Um, specifically, it's the same story three times over. So what we do, um, we take the concept of choices that we make in life, and how if we make a slightly different choice, or even a very different choice, our lives can change. So we do an initial 15-minute um, story where we take um, a prompt from the audience, which will be a choice they've had to make. Um, yeah. So something like whether the last one we did was whether not to move cities. We've had ones which is whether not to you know stick with a job they don't like, whether not to get back with an ex, things like this. So we take those. We run out the first time, and we will have them um, like our protagonist in the first scene will say like, "Oh, I'm I'm thinking about you know moving away to you know to Brighton," 
and then they'll have like their confidant will be like okay well you, know, you can but you know and then we'll talk over it a bit we'll run out what happens when they move to price and we'll reset and then we'll go through again this time they might be like oh yeah i'm thinking of like moving away to the countryside uh-huh. and we'll see what happens and it's like a reset of reality each time all right um so kind of a blend of like ground day with um russian doll with apparently um, Run Lola Run, which I haven't seen, but ah, need to. right. I've not seen Run Lola Run either. It's like about repeated mm. instances in time. But the characters don't know, so they don't realise they're going through this. We right. just play us as in, like, it's three different parallel universes. That sounds split amazing. at one point. Well, really nice. What attracted you to that style of game? Really simple. So basically, I wanted to do Star Trek The Improv. Um, James, idea. Yeah, yeah. James, I think, would have not minded doing that. Lou and Jen were so set against it. Yeah. And when we mentioned sci-fi, Jen was like, so I'm thinking of looking at other... <laughs> so we were struggling to come up with ideas that we would all really enjoy. And I think what we decided doing is genre. It is great and lovely, but actually what we cared about was like exploring characters, exploring relationships, and the, you know, like the way people function. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And this gave us the room to do that. This gives us... We, we focus so much on the protagonist. And whoever's happened to be playing the protagonist that night are doing a lot more... I know a lot more work than the others to some extent because they have to be that consistent character but a different flavour of them each time like they've obviously made the different mm. decision for some reason um, but yeah so that's how we got to it we just basically we'll just go through stuff I think it was something like where I saw like I was watching Russian Dog that's why I think I was literally watching Russian Dog that's like episode 6 I was like I'm really enjoying this it'd be kind of good for an improv <gasps> so, yep yeah, cool we're doing that um, um, yeah I um, I don't know I, I normally like that sort of thing and I just I don't know, I, I struggled with Russian Doll. I just, I don't oh. know, was it uh, worth persevering with? I think, I mean, I think a lot of it hinges on the performance of, um, oh God, I can't remember her name, but she's in Orange is the New Black. She does such a specific performance. I think if you possibly weren't like, if it didn't gel with you, if you mm. didn't find her quite charismatic enough, like I love her, I think mm. she's great. If you didn't, so much of it is about her that I think you could be like, oh, I don't really know where this is going. Because, mm. I mean, one thing with Russian Doll, spoilers is it's not necessarily like as profound as no, I think it's profound in its own way it's not as narratively explicit about its profundity as Groundhog Day for instance you know um, I don't think it is I could be wrong see I love a time loop in say Star Trek <gasps> for an episode rather than necessarily a whole series yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's fair sorry three, that was me I was not losing it that's a reference to a Star Trek time loop with uh, Kelsey Grammer, who's the captain of the Bozeman. So, um, I, um, I have a really uh, weird um, perception of Next Gen, because my friend Mark Mullins, uh, who I was at university with, uh, he loved um, the Q episodes and the time travel episodes, quite often they can be the same thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. and just showed me those episodes. <gasps> and it was only much later that I realised that the, the vast majority of Next Gen did not feature either Q <gasps> or indeed time travel. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's... Oh, the thing is, they're also... The, so, I, I think one of my... Um, so, welcome to Stuart Moses' Star Trek podcast. <laughs> London Star Trek podcast. Um, one of my favourite episodes is Darmok, because it's... There's there's an amazing relationship between the two captains, between um, Picard and... I can't remember the name, the Talarian captain. But there's also, like, that other really interesting element of how we use language and how, you know, communication is so important. And I, I do actually tear up in Darmok. Um, it, it really gets to me, because even though they can't communicate with each other effectively... And they still have this very lovely relationship, and they sort of, and it goes places, and it's it's great. Oh wow! <laughs> so if you were to find um, people who were willing to do improvised Star Trek with you, yes, what would the format be? <gasps> so I was chatting with a friend, um, um, my friend Sarah, who I think has done improv, and she's a LARPer, is how I know her. Um, and but she has done improv in the past. She's amazing. She does many grand things. We were talking about it. And we were discussing how you could almost do it and like have a persistent crew. So every week you'd be playing the same crew oh, member. Oh, lovely! And then and then you just have like the the guests from the audience would be like, what, what planets we visit? What which which hats do the people on this planet wear? You know? <laughs> uh, oh, they all wear blue hats with with you know stein, diamonds in or something. Yeah, great. Okay. Um, so you, that would be an interesting one because it's a bit more persistent. And even if the audience don't necessarily see the show twice in a row, <laughs> as performers, you can dive a little deeper into those characters. Ah, interesting. And because you're not having to find them every week, you could maybe spend a bit more time exploring a different culture. I mean, like, oh, Captain, these people, oh, they all, you know, they all kill each other every fourth, you know, cycle of the moon or whatever. Why do they do that? And then you, I don't know. I don't know. It's a bit pot heavy. I'd like to keep it character-based, but... 
Sounds amazing. So, so okay, I, I have probably watched Wrath of Khan more times than is reasonable um, in the last week. So, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, I haven't watched it in the last couple of months actually, but I have, I, it's a film that I love so much. I, I've been listening to the soundtrack about six times this week um, because it plays to another thing I'm doing. But, um, so I would do The Wrath of Khan. I would do ancient enemies, dealing with old age, dealing with, you know, finding lost family members, um, you know, meeting an ex just out in space and having to save their life and going like, man, I feel old. Like, that would be my perfect Star Trek improv <laughs> show. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I'm auditioning now. Yeah. Well, as yeah. you know, I'm a big fan of doing uh, improvised uh, science fiction. So oh, um, yes, of course, to Doctor Tuprov. Doctor Tuprov, yes. So uh, I would, uh, I would love it if you did an improvised Star Trek. The the issue that Bryn and I have had with Doctor Tuprov is how much Doctor Who do you bring into it? Yes. Because you want to bring enough in that so it feels like it's Doctor Who, but not so much that it alienates the casual fans. I have thoughts on this. Um, do you watch Arrested Development? I do not. Okay, so Arrested Development has... It, it, I mean, there's points in Arrested Development where this is essentially a string of in-jokes, where if you haven't seen the previous two series and you're watching the third series and your mace will be laughing away and you'll be like, I don't get it. But actually what they do that's very clever is they have the in-jokes and the references are so lightly done that they either work as jokes in their own right regardless... Yeah. Or they're, they're, they're so casual, like it's just like a tiny bit of dialogue, which isn't even necessarily have to be that funny, but you really throw away and you go, oh, okay, fine. And if you don't know it, you can just keep watching and you're not really yeah. losing anything. So I think there's things you can do with that, like with, you know, with Star Trek. Like you could make a reference to like three pips and the people in the audience go, oh, it's like, it's like in a, you know, cause and effect. Oh, that's amazing. But then everyone else will be like, just, just, it will pass through their mind and not even, you know. I think there's ways you could do it. But it's, it's rehearsing, it's drilling that kind of humour, that kind of reference, you know. I mean, that's very much the approach that we've taken, is that um, a quote may slip into our dialogue, and if you know it, then it's great. If it's yes. not, it's just something that we've said. So I did, I, I did this really clever thing the other day in a show. I'm so clever. Um, please praise me. No, tell, I did this. Tell everyone about your cleverness and it, we will praise you. It was about, I was playing um, a support character to, um, to Lou, who was moving cities. That was one we did. And I was like, my, we'd already established that I was like, oh, I never left Birmingham. I never left Moseley. I'd always been in the same pub, the same flat, you know, whatever else. Um, so then I just, as we were leaving, I sort of said, but Lou, if I take one more step, this will be the furthest from home I've ever been. <laughs> and like, it's in the info show, it just works as a line. And to other people who get it, they'll be like, oh, oh, oh somewhere, it's great. Yeah, or, or, or not. But <laughs> <laughs> the point being, it's a reference that doesn't intrude. Like, you're not stopping the show and the narrative dead. Uh. And it fits with the character, you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, it just happens to be that because you love Lord of the Rings that much, you've internalised it so much. Yeah. And so... <laughs> don't say that. that. <laughs> yeah. but no, I don't think that, that's no, no way criticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, so to you, repeating what Sam says... Um, but with meaning. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I, think, I, think that's, I think that's perfectly valid. It's, it's when you start saying stuff that... Um, I suppose it's... That sort of feeling, it happens to be in a fantasy novel, but it happens to be a universal feeling that we can all but, share in. I mean, like, that's, that's exactly what makes things... That's what makes sci-fi and fantasy so successful. So, um, and like, so, so, okay, Stuart, I'm writing a book. Can I talk about my book? Yes, you may. <laughs> okay, good. I'm writing a science fiction book, um, and there's a part of my brain which is like, oh, I come up with all these cool ideas, these different cultures, oh, there's all these things I want to talk about in the narrative. And actually, what I'm working hard to do is be like, no, 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 we're going to focus on one character and, and how that character interacts with the world and things will not appear until they're relevant to that character. Brilliant. Um, and then, but like, that's taking cues from things like Lord of the Rings or things, um, Arrival. Have you seen Arrival? Yes, that was amazing. Oh God, right? And yeah. there's so many big ideas in Arrival. Yeah. But if you're there and you don't like sci-fi, you're like, I oh, don't like aliens and stuff, you can still just follow that thing of like her journey, yes. you know, as, as a narrator, um, sorry, as a translator and, you know, sort of how she deals with things. And it's why Independence Day was so successful. And I don't know what anyone thinks of Independence Day as a quality narrative. <laughs> but, but everyone can empathise with Will Smith wanting to be an astronaut. Everyone can empathise with Jeff Goldblum not getting on with his ex-wife, etc. Yeah. Yeah, 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 the yeah. president's wife dies. We can all feel sad, and the aliens are going on around us. You know. Yes. Like, yeah. Yes. Um, well, it's you know science fiction is telling truths about today, exactly. Rather than the future. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you're using it, the extreme possibilities of the setting to say, actually, let's take this thing we're dealing with now and see where it can go. Yeah, which Black Mirror, basically, you know. Yes. Of, yeah. Uh, which I've only started watching recently, but I like. It's very good. It is very good. Charlie Brooke is a personal hero. Yes. Um, I, I think he's fantastic, just he in general. And I find um, his vision bleak. I'm not saying he's incorrect, but I'm sometimes wary of how much bleakness I put in my head. I think I think he's made a choice to do that. Yeah. And I, I'm also totally on board with optimistic visions of the future I like Star Trek once you take out the misogyny from the earlier seasons (laughs) and you start you know actually making it a bit more progressive um, like Star Trek and things like that Um, yeah no, I can can agree with that I can see where you're coming from with that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so with Wayward Souls you're not regularly rehearsing that's not I'm not having a go oh no no we are I'm sorry (laughs) so to clarify what actually happened was um, we were rehearsing solidly like twice a week for two or three months we had coaching with Rachel Thorne and um, Alex Keane they're very good I need a jar and pennies for every name I no. drop I just ting the, um, more, the more you mention the more widely the, my tweet about this podcast will be shared yeah. okay so Rachel so, Thorne and Alex Keane are wonderful improvisers <laughs> excellent very, coaches very good, yes. um, and we think we met uh, I met them at the same time I met you which was at the British Improv Project yes run by Tom Young and Jeff Monk yes <laughs> um, so they took to a coaching session and we were doing loads of work together we would do lots of brainstorming um, like every like what was really nice is all four of us were contributing heavily to the formats like there was no one who was stood back just letting it happen we were all going okay I think this oh that's interesting let's work with that and we were yes anding each other off stage as well as on stage um, what then happened was we did a show and we loved it we had such a nice time don't know what the audience thought don't really care um, we enjoyed ourselves so much we just like yeah it's great um, but then what then the week after that rather than rehearsing we said look let's just Take it easy, let's have a drink. So we went and drank heavily, which was great. Then the week after that, um, someone was feeling tired. It was a heat wave. Everyone was like, oh, God, I'm uh, worn out. The week after that, someone was on holiday. Right. And there's only four of us, so we can't really do, like... It's not like you can drop a person no. and keep the same thing. Uh, it's, it's harder. So we had, like, six weeks where we didn't rehearse. And then we started rehearsing again. Right. And that's sort of taken us up to now. So you're back in the game now. We are back in the game for right, it. You're and ready. we've got other stuff going on, which we're all still working in a group together as as well. So, Cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Um, uh, glad to hear it. Um, yeah, rehearsing twice a week. I've never been in a group that's rehearsed twice a week. That's real dedication. We, so we were doing it just as the Wayward Souls. We're still doing it now. In fact, we've rehearsed... Oh, no, we're rehearsing twice this week and twice next week. We're still doing it now, but one of those rehearsals is with a slightly bigger group on a different project. Yeah. But, like... I think a big contrast to that is that we just love each other very dearly. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and so there isn't like, and yeah, I think so we, all, we all see things slightly differently. And there'll be times where I'll say something and Jen will be like, no, John, no, that's stupid. No, no, so like, <laughs> like, it'd be more depressed to be like, oh, no, maybe we should try this instead. I'd be like, yeah, it's a good idea. Or Lou like, will say, like, oh, John, you're something to be fine. And then, or, you know, I, Lou will suggest something and I'll be like, oh, I'm kind of not sure about that. <laughs> but we, we love spending time with each other so much that any time spent is quality time right which is why like because even when we weren't rehearsing we were still seeing each other every week right we were still spending social time we all live in the city you know which makes it easier as well um yeah just nice i mean it's great yeah i mean it makes such a difference if the people uh in an improv group get on outside of improv as well yeah i think you can tell that when you're watching a group when you're watching people who've really connected i think so i think that that group mind comes through very vividly very sort of very visually as well like you can see people like today Heather was saying about getting each other's faces and when you don't when you're in a group of people you don't know you're not you're going to be more hesitant about doing that but when you know each other really well oh yeah James and I will have really physically close scenes and Jen and I will have really physically close scenes and Lou and Jen we will all have like these scenes where we'll just be very close to each other or where we'll play with space and things but because we do know each other we've got that liberty to do this we've got that freedom to do this you know yes yes Um, you mentioned another project Yes, I did. Tell me about this other project. Okay, this is really exciting. When's this going out, by the way? Oh, well, whenever you want it to go out. Not, right. Normally on a Wednesday. It's fine. Basically, what I don't want to do is... I don't want, it's fine, I'm going to talk about it anyway. Because it might only be showing this once. Ah, and you want this to go out after you've shown it? No, not necessarily. No, okay. don't worry about it. No, no, it's fine. I'm just, I don't want to... I don't want to you know, there was a list of things that I was going to tell you before we started. Um, when this went out was one of the things I meant to tell you before we started. Um, but we can put it out whenever you like. Don't worry. Forget I said it. It's fine. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so we're doing Dante's Improvno. Um, okay, so this is part... Inspired by Dan Brown, I imagine. 
No. I've never read a Dan Brown book in my life. Surprisingly entertaining. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> sure. I never even seen the films. I don't know. Um, so, yes, this is um, part of the Sandbox Project. So, John Gauke and John Trevor, who... Um, are prominent in the Birmingham improv scene. Part of the John Mafia. The John Mafia. The prom scene. Well, because you've had JP on here, JP Harmsley, yes. another John. Yes. He's got the same initials as me. Like he, oh. he signs off emails. Or he used to sign off emails at work as JPH. Is like, I didn't like that. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah. So yeah, part of the, one of the Johns, the other two Johns. Um, they have um, a rehearsal space, so a little church hall in the um, near Snow Hill, which they had booked. Um, and they were going to use this and sort of new plans fell through. So they created the Sandbox Project, which is a chance for people like like myself, for instance, and others who are maybe not like, sort of haven't got big groups together or haven't got these things all sorted out already, to do experimental weird stuff um, that you don't get a chance to do otherwise. Wow. So I, um, they had application process. I think there were only two people who applied. I was yeah. one of them. JP was another, so you should speak to him about his thing because it's very <laughs> interesting. Um, so I'm, we're doing Dante's in Provenum now, then JP will be doing his afterwards. And JP's on the team for Dante's as well. Um, and I submitted the application and I think it said, it's a journey through hell to see if a lost soul can find redemption or salvation. Also, it could be a rock opera. <laughs> um, I literally, that was like the last line at the bottom. And um, I think everyone I spoke to about this said, I don't want to do a rock opera. And I was like, <laughs> okay, fine. We'll just do the hell bit then. <laughs> um, this, this is another story about the May Days, which I'll have to tell in a second, which is anyway. It's because fine. you've had good experiences with rock operas recently. <gasps> oh my God. Um, <laughs> yes. So yeah. Um, so, I, so now we're doing Dances in Provenos. So we've got um, Natalie Beniston, who's That's, fantastic. She's amazing. Oh my God. She's so talented. Yes. Um, yeah. Just, so, just to interrupt. So when... Um, the same faces came down to London to do the Hoopla UK yes. and Ireland. Her song was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, because I've seen a lot of improvised singing, but like when you've got someone that can really sing, it was just like, oh this God. has gone to another level. It was absolutely amazing. Na- Natalie um, is just one of a kind. And it's not, I don't see that like, so she, like, she's not just like, like a good singer. She's got terif- terrific stage presence. She's, so funny like she comes yeah. out with stuff and I'm like you you had that written down <laughs> no no like whichever you always do um, she's great so we've got I was so lucky to get her involved um, and she's she's been in a complete asset we've got Lauren as well um, whose surname escapes me <laughs> but Lauren's really nice um, she's a relatively new improviser so she's done John's level one and level two but she hasn't actually performed yet I don't think oh interesting um, but she's been she, Lauren's been fantastic like she's absorbed so much because we've all been doing it for a couple of years you know and JP's been doing it for longer than that and like Lauren's sort of you can sort of see that like bright eyed sort of uh huh uh huh <laughs> but then she goes and does it and she's as good as the rest of us she's <laughs> arguably a lot better than I am um, and it's a, which is fine because I can just let her be amazing and then I can take credit for it as the, as the creator um, and we've got JP as well so JP because um, he's it's a wonderful voice of reason. I have a thing which is uh, I have a very smart brain and I'm a very stupid person. So for me, improv is about getting the stupid person out of the way of the smart brain. And that's the same for everyone because we all do incredibly complex things like drive cars. I mean, we have conversations and we, we still can't get computers to have fully convincing conversations with humans yet. You know, so we all are capable of doing these incredibly complex things. Um, but when you get into an improv stage and you fail at those, and it's because your stupid person is standing in the way of your smart brain. Um, JP is someone who is also a smart person. So he has a smart brain and is a smart person, wow. which means he's this amazing voice of wisdom and experience. And, and like, again, it's this thing where I'll go, oh, um, so Dante's improv now has had like a four week development schedule. <laughs> it was wow. meant to be six. We've lost two weeks to different things. We're trying to make up time. Um, so there'll be times where I say, Guys, I've had an idea. So it's like this thing where we do that, and then we ring in this, but then you can do this. Blah, 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 blah. And then JP will stay. So I think what John's saying is... <laughs> and like a simple sentence or maybe two would explain exactly what John's saying. Jen does the same thing. Jen has gotten so used to me going off on just random rambles of, of, of ideas. She'd be like, oh, so it's like this. And like, people are like, oh yeah, I get it now. And I'd be like, thanks Jen, thanks JP, thanks everyone, um, which is really good. But yeah, so Dante and Provno um, will be showing a week today. Right. To a sort of a fairly limited audience of just like friends and other improvisers. Um, 
and we're trying out some really new ideas. So we're doing a narrative, a very protagonist-driven narrative, um, following on from Rachel Thorne's amazing protagonist work, <laughs> Sharp at Biff, um, run by Tom Young and Jeff, uh, Jeff Monk. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing a protagonist-led um, Lost Soul, and then we've got the devil in as the narrator. Wow. Um, Hal is a like a, a non-geographic location, so Hal is could be a cruise ship, or it might be a post office, or it might uh-huh. be a pharmacy. Who knows? Can um, we not use the phrase non-geographic location? We don't. Okay, we don't. Don't fine. worry. That's we right. we don't even ask for the get. As we uh-huh. only ask for that get. All we ask for is um, the sin. We ask for um, something that someone has done to you in the last week that you think they deserve to be in hell for. Oh, interesting. And we do what else? Well, if that's true, what else is true? We build on it. Ah. Um, what we're also doing is we're doing, um, based off another workshop that Heather Urquhart did at the May Days Retreat, is um, building scenes physically. So we have, there's seven of us, so if we have two people talking, everyone else is being scenery or being like side characters Lovely. coming in. Um, and we're doing it in the round. Oh, mm. that's exciting. I've not seen improv in the round. No, I haven't. I can't figure out why. Because the reason was, we did, um, we were doing it, we were doing it at church hall, and that's what we'll be showing. And we were doing it traditionally for the first couple of weeks, just as a, as a stage, a square stage. And then one of the performers had their backs to the audience, the imaginary audience. And I was like, do I want to give that feedback? And I thought, or oh, we could stop wasting time giving that feedback and we could instead just get rid of the square setup which is holding us back. Because we've got the whole hall, yeah, yeah, we can yeah. set the chairs up in a ring, we can have everyone yeah, looking yeah, in. Interesting. And it's sort of, we've tried it a couple of times now. And what happens is, um, you can't escape the audience. You can't turn your back to them. You can't move upstage. Yes. At best, you can move into the middle. And if you're feeling nervous, that's probably the worst place. <laughs> um, but also, like, if you're at the sides, and because we're doing the whole you know, group scene building thing, like an ensemble, ensemble thing, um, like you'll be amongst the audience. You'll be stood between two audience members. We'll be able to see what you're doing. And we, when we tried this, again, no audience, but you can sort of imagine them there. And you're like oh no, I've got people watching me from both sides here and people watching me from over there. And I'm just a bit character. I'm not even like part of the actual scene. Um, and it gets you thinking about things in different ways. It's, I think it's going to be, hopefully it'll be really like intimate and sort of the audience will feel really connected with what's going on. Um, and other arty words. Like, <laughs> I don't know. We're going to try it. Um, and yeah, I've not seen, or I've not seen it done elsewhere. I don't know why. I think probably because people get used to doing traditional stage yeah. layout but so many improvs take place in like a pub or just somewhere random that like I don't know I'd like to try something new this is this is our chance to try a crazy yeah. new thing and if it doesn't work we'll know that's really uh, interesting yeah yeah so that's why that's why I was like oh when's this going on because I was like do I want to spoil the surprise but it'll be fine I'll spoil the surprise well, I'm doing we, it in the round we can, we can, we can put this out after it's happened oh that's like. fine um, uh, yeah tell me about uh, your experience with hell <gasps> Right, um, so Birmingham's okay. I mean, it's a lot of roadworks. <laughs> no. Um, oh, I mean, the other experience with Hal. Yes. Right. I'm not knocking Birmingham. I love Birmingham. I love Birmingham. It's great. Um, so I went to the May Days September retreat um, a couple of few weeks ago, and it's amazing, and everyone should go. Um, like, you know, there's like, there is a cost in terms of time, also in terms of money, and in terms of travel, um, and it is well worth that cost. Like, it's better than any holiday you will take, I personally think. Um, so we did that it was a five day course which I think you've done before as well yes I have yes um, I did it at a weird time because I'd just been made redundant so yeah. I wasn't in the best of head spaces I think if I were to do it again um, I'd actually probably get a lot more out of it um, but because I'd just been made redundant you know I had a lot of stuff that I needed to kind of process and it kind of helped me process it um, but I would like to do it again because I think I'm just in a much better place now than when I went sort of thing so I think we talked about this before actually. So I had I had a similar thing. Um, I had a bit of a nasty experience in London um, a, a few weeks before, a couple of weeks before, and I was still really shaken up from it. So it was for context. There was a blog about this. It was uh, it was to do with um, nasty racists in London, essentially just harassing people on the streets. Um, and I was I was feeling like really like emotionally shaken up from it more than I realised. And when I got to this place that I'd never been before and no one had ever met. I you start like really isolating yourself from getting yeah. it. But it was such a positive experience. Like it was so supportive. The May Days themselves are just like welcoming, yes. warm, encouraging, supportive. Um, you really feel that you can just go and talk to any of them if you've got a problem. Yeah. Are they still doing the buddy system? They had a yeah. buddy system. Yes, they were, yeah. yeah that's which was a really great. good thing. 
Um, also, uh, and anyone that's listening that's organising <laughs> similar things, um, taking the Polaroid pictures and writing the name of the yeah. person underneath the Polaroid picture and shoving it on the wall. Great idea. Just oh, amazing. Yeah. Lots of great ideas they have yeah. for making it a really nice space. Um, so I recommend anyone go to it. Like, as I said to you before, like, I, I wouldn't treat it as therapy, but it was therapeutic. Yes. And it really helped me yes. you know, like in, a very sort of, in a very meaningful way. Um, and I have one of my favourite memories of all time now. I mean, it's just it's right. So if I ever get married, it's not even going to compare, to be honest. Like, um, <laughs> we shall see. We shall you, see. It, oh, oh, touched. Well, I mean, it's, I've, I've done a lot, of, uh, a lot of preparation. I've played the long game. Stuart, yes. Yes, and... So, so now that we're married, um, yeah. So we had the May Days did this wonderful thing, and it was I think it was led, it was sort of initiated by Katie Shute and Liz Peters, um, who are incredible advisors and coaches and teachers. They all are, all they all are. And they said, look, they ask their students at these events to take risks all the time, and then they themselves will do like you know classes they've always done, and they'll do shows that they've rehearsed. So they said, look, we're going to take a risk. So they asked for suggestions for their uh, final show on Saturday night. I put mine in. I basically just went, well, if my Birmingham team won't let me do a rock opera, I'm going to see what will happen if the Maydays do one. Um, I was confident it was going to be amazing. I, I did, had no idea how incredible it was going to be. Um, and the story I heard from Lloydie, um, uh, Lloydie, Lloydie, Lloydie. Yes, that's his, yes. that's his name, isn't it? Lloydie, Lloydie, Lloydie. Who were seeing uh, it about half an hour, no, hour's yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as part of Rhymes Against Humanity, humanity yes. who I've never seen before they're amazing I've not seen Lloydie in them I've seen them without him they were fantastic yeah. so really talented performers yeah. anyway so Lloydie said like they, the May Days as a group got from Katie and Liz the briefing about like five minutes after dinner and about 15 minutes before they had to do it <laughs> it was like so this is what we're doing here's the piece of paper and this is how it's going to start and that was their prep and then they did a normal like introduction and like did the admin bits that they do each night and then they went off for two minutes whilst us as buddies chatted with the buddy system. Uh, and they apparently they just went to like a costume box and just rifled through it. And then they came back on um, with like, like pullovers on and stuff like this. And, and then the lights went out. And when the lights came back up, you had Joe in um, like a sort of Van Halen style <laughs> wig, aviators on. Everyone was in like leather jackets. And oh my God, um, it was incredible. I've never seen a show with that much energy and like just sheer joy. So I was sat at the back, just nodding and clapping and cheering like an absolute loon. Like I had lost all control of every faculty. I was like, this is, oh. um, and I, I can't, it's so difficult to describe how good it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was little things, like there was stuff like, all the singing was immense obviously, in the rock, you know, rock yeah, opera yeah, style. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, the just stage work and stuff were great, etc. Like little touches, so, I mean, <laughs> Depends how graphic we want to be here. Um, Liz Peters played Beelzebub and starts off just as Liz Peters, you know, playing Beelzebub. And I think it was um, Chris Mead came in as her tail, right. like flapping his arm around as her tail. And then I think it was Ed came in doing um, flapping wings. Rhiannon gave her horns. And she had like this entourage of like non people like following behind her. So she looked enormous and immense and powerful. <laughs> and I think Katie Shute was stood off to one side. <laughs> and you can sort of see this look on her face. She's like, Mm-hmm. Okay, what can I, how can I yes and this so she came in kneeled down in front of uh, Liz and put her fist out and just was just a phallus just a demonic phallus for the whole show um, um, which which Liz would, which Beelzebub <laughs> would occasionally use as a walking cane like that was <laughs> <laughs> there was so much going on um, not every Mayday show is like that most of them are a lot more tame but like I I don't think I'll ever be that happy ever again um, yeah, it was amazing. So yeah, so there we are. I still got to. I eventually got to see my rock opera journey through house. So opera. that was that was my joyous moment. Um, <laughs> Tell me about your nice prov blog. What's that? Oh, great! Uh, thanks, Stuart. Um, so, my. Oh, I'm going to go in heavy here. I'm going to start off philosophical and heavy. Please um, do. That's our business. And business is good. So nice, my nice prov. Do you want the lights on? Nope, we're good. We're okay. good. Is it <laughs> Stuart's just checking his recorder. I'm just checking that it's recording. It's difficult to see. Um, it is recording. So, um, nice, nice follows on from my experience at the retreat, actually. Um, and it was, I, it had such a positive effect on me and helped me out 
um, I said in a very significant way. Just, just, just made me feel better about the world. Um, and so when I was down in London, it was sort of protesting against the prerogative of Parliament at the time, uh, which I just felt was completely unacceptable. And you know, I didn't even—I'm not even sure if I care about Brexit anymore, but I care about having democratic things mm. in place that we are represented. You know, that's important to me. I don't think you can take that away. Uh, that then led to a confrontation with a load of racist EDLers. Um, that led to me feeling really bad, and then the May Days led to me feeling really happy. You know, just just a nice time spent. I was like, right, what can I do to bring this around full circle, and what can I do to help? You know, hopefully make the world a bit of a better place. So there's a guy, uh, there's a philosophy tube, as a YouTuber, um, Ollie North. No, that Ollie North is someone else. He's a he's a part of an American scandal. Well, Oliver North. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Oliver Thorne or something. Yeah. Anyway, philosophy tube, and he said like, if you're feeling really bummed out about climate change and Brexit and Trump and everything else, he said, you don't have to fight everything. You can fight a small part, and it's all part of the same issue. Yeah. So the long, the short way of saying that is, nice prov is my attempt at economic disobedience, which is, <laughs> this is this sounds so grandiose, it's not, it's a really tiny blog. Um, it's a chance to get people sharing the things that they've really enjoyed in improv. Um, telling them in you know, written form, I may do a video at some point, I don't know, telling them in written form to other people to get other people to try improv, other people to get more invested in it. Um, one of the great things about improv is it's usually free. And if there's a cost involved, that cost will usually go to independent uh, traders, independent business people like John Trevor. The May Days are an independent theatre group. They're not part of a larger corporation. We were at the Blue Orange Theatre today. Mm. So even like the infrastructure, like the Blue Orange Theatre is a community theatre in Birmingham. It's not like privately owned. It doesn't have shareholders. Um, and so for me, every penny that you spend, for instance, well, every penny you don't spend um, on things like the latest Marvel product, or whatever, um, or every penny you, you spend instead on small independent groups that are doing really creative things, I think is really important. The other thing as well is that, you know, it makes you happy. Like, I have felt so much happiness over my time in improv, you know. And it's not always been easy. It's not always, you know, like, if I'm being honest, there's people that you, you fall out with occasionally and stuff like this. But overall, the experience has been so positive and helped teach me so much about things like story and character and things that I care about. Um, so nice prop is an attempt to to get that message out there if possible and say like rather than saying improv's this thing it's really scary you get up on stage and then you have to expose like your vulnerabilities and your emotions oh and you have to be a really good performer and you know an actor and you have to do all... like no no improv like improv for me is getting to a rehearsal everyone says man I'm feeling really bummed out so we sit down and have a glass of wine and chat about other stuff instead and improv for me is like having a really good show and sharing a bottle of cheap Prosecco afterwards. Yeah. So that was amazing. Or improv for me is this, like just having a nice conversation about things. Um, and obviously the performance part is huge. The rehearsals and the learning new skills is also huge. Obviously that's the main part of it. But there's so many other things about it that I think it'd be easy to miss because people say, look at this amazing show. Oh, we're doing this. Oh, we got, I've gone to a five-week intensive, sorry, a five-day intensive in Dorset or a five-week intensive in Chicago. Yeah. And everyone's like, what is this? Like, no, <laughs> improv is really simple. You can do it for free. Like, you can literally, or you can buy a book, or you can watch a YouTube video, and you can learn how to do improv. And you know, you can meet really, really nice people who will be really supportive. So for me, it's like saying, here's something that's low cost. Anything you do, pay goes to people who are not Disney or or, or petrol companies, or whatever, or you know, Amazon. I mean, I've got a Netflix subscription, so I'm a bit of a hypocrite. But, you know, it's like... It's it's, it's, that, world, really. it's, it's making sure that you're not... Con it's contributing less to the sort of economic issues that are causing all the problems we're facing. You know what I mean? So, um, I, I could go into it, but, like, essentially... Go into it. Okay, fine. So, you know, you talk about climate change, and it, I, I try to be... I try to live economically. I try to um, not use too much plastic, but I do use too much plastic. I'm a vegan... Um, because you know, partially I care about the animals, partially I care about the environmental impacts and things like that. But I, even if everyone in the country went vegan and stopped using plastic, Coca-Cola would still be destroying huge parts of the world. Like China will still be building enormous amounts of, of coal-fired power stations. Um, China is on record as being like the biggest investor in renewable energy, and it invests like six times as much in coal power plants really? and stuff and like oil and things. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, you know. Like there's things where, and all of everything we do feeds into that. When we when we go and buy a ticket to um, Iron Man Six, 
the return of whatever, no one cares. Or when we go and, you know, when we buy um, a Starbucks coffee, that goes to, de- to some extent that will help deforest places, you know, when you buy things with palm oil and etc. Everything we do is connected and you can't extract yourself from all of this. But what you can hopefully do is enable yourself to find cheap, you know, nice economically, hopefully economically ethical ways of enjoying yourself. And you can support those people who are, enable people who are doing things like that as well. Like your John Trevors, like, like your Ben Holmes who's doing, you know, Fat Penguin and stuff, like the Maydays, Hoopla, everyone else, you know. And that's just in the improv scene, you know. I'd love to spread it out. I have a finite amount of time and effort. Yeah, <laughs> so for me, it's just an improv. So nice prof is that. Um, the actual structure of nice prof, which I should probably talk about, is um, anyone can write anything of any length. It could be um, a, a tweet. It could be 240 characters. It could be a novel. If it's a novel, it might take a while for me to check it. Um, <laughs> you can submit it. I'll look through, make sure it's, you know, it's not like too... I basically just don't don't be a racist, I guess, is like the thing. Or I mean, misogynist, words. yeah. These are wise words. Um, just be nice. Don't be, you know, don't be negative about other improvisers. Um, or don't be backhandedly positive, you know what I mean, as well. And then submit it to the to the email address, which is niceprovsubmissions, one word, at gmail.com. Um, I'll run it through. You can submit images. You can tell me if you want different things happening with it. I will post it up. I will, you can use it to promote your group. Like, I don't want to sort of encourage loads of marketing copy where people are saying like, oh, we're the third best, you know, don't care about that. But if you want to talk about how nice your group is <laughs> and how much fun you have performing, that's really the stuff I want to hear. Or even just yourself. I mean, it's theoretical about other improvisers. If you want to do what I do and talk about how amazing you are on stage and all the great choices you've made, uh, that's also fine. And um, it's just about, yeah, getting, that me- getting the things that are true that you have enjoyed um, into a place where people can see them. And, you know... Um, and yes, there's an element of where I'm profiting off the labour of others, but I'm running this website at a cost. There's no monetization involved. It's no. I think that if there are ads, I think they're part of WordPress, so I don't get anything from it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, if anyone wants to be involved, obviously, I, I'm desperate for people to sort of say, "I'll help you do things." I need like social media and stuff. God, there's all sorts of things, you know. Um, but yes, that's my, what I'm trying to do at the moment. It's my little attempt to help combat a tiny, tiny percentage of the things in the world that are making me miserable. That's amazing. I, I really love the idea of improv as an act of political rebellion. Yeah, no, I mean, because it, it, it involves other people. It involves connecting with other people. Yeah. Um, it involves being creative. And it, it fights that narrative that you have to buy things to be happy. Yes. Like, you know, I mean, the cost of the May Day's retreat, for instance. Oh, no, let's look. The cost of BIP. Um, the, British is, improv project. the British Improv Project run by Tom Young and <laughs> Jeff Monk it doesn't um, get better if you mention them three times if you um, mention them once that's enough it might um, <laughs> I'll probably make them happy if I make them happy yeah. but like that will be that, that's like the equivalent in cost to I don't know I mean I don't know what it's equivalent to cost to you like 10 movie tickets and you will learn so much you will you will enjoy so much of this and meet so many new people that you wouldn't if you just, again, if you just sat in the cinema or if you went on a couple of nights out getting drunk and, you know, being sweaty in a nightclub or something, you know, <laughs> which is probably owned by a massive conglomerate. And, uh, and I sound kind of like, I'm not trying to be like, all oh, capitalism is bad, but I think capitalism at the moment is not serving the needs of most people. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to get to the point where it does, where when we exchange money, we do it in a way that, that makes the world a slightly nicer place rather than just for ourselves, but for the people too. I think that's a brilliant idea, and yes. When you're yeah, supporting the improv economy, you're supporting people to make sure that they can continue yeah. to make more improv happen. Exactly. And improv, for me, it's about human connection, ultimately, and that is something we are sadly lacking in our modern society. I think, you know, if I'm being honest, I think we've lacked it in most societies. I think, yeah. I think it's easy to sort of think, <laughs> oh, everyone looks at their smartphones. Like, a lot of people spend time on their smartphones chatting to people, well, and, know, true. sharing memes or whatever. But, yeah, absolutely. I think we've always had issues with seeing other people as people, especially when they look different to us or they sound different to us or they believe different things to us or whatever. And improv is one of the ways, one of the ways of breaking that down. Yes. You know? It's one of the ways of communicating in a very mutual way. Brilliant. Do more improv. That's, yes. That's do, very much... Do, do more, more improv. improv. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, do you all, that's not the only other... Uh, not the only blog you're inter- uh, involved in though there's also crudereviews.net thanks Stuart tell me about that crudereviews.net um, is um, it's my personal blog where I have written about 60,000 words wow. complaining about Star Trek Discovery 
and oh. probably another hundred thousand words on other stuff. We really should do my my. We can't. Well, I've got neither of us have got time to commit to it, but we really should do Stuart's Star Trek blog because. Yes. I really enjoyed Discovery. Right. We don't have time to get into this now. Okay, yeah. Well, all I'll say is Discovery was failed in so many interesting ways as a narrative that I had a lot to write about. <laughs> so it's not like I really like it's not like a personal vendetta. I just it was just really interesting for me because I've got the Star Trek background, right? You know, yeah. I was like, oh, I could compare things. I could talk anyway. You see, things I don't have a Star Trek background. Ah. If you well. I say I don't. But if you divided the world into two groups, don't do this. This is a horrible idea. Into those that like Star Trek and those that don't. I'm firmly in those that do. Um, right. But you know, I, I, I if if they do things about the portrayal of the fair of the Federation Starfleet, I'm not bothered about that. It doesn't right. conflict with. I'm not. I suppose I'm not invested. I've always enjoyed it, and I recently finished watching the original series. In preparation for discovery, <laughs> there's some highs and lows. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, let's get to that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so what I would say is, I'm not. I'm a massive Trekkie. I actually don't care about that. And one of the things I was really careful to do in lots of the stuff I did about discovery. Oh my god, um, <laughs> is not to compare it too much to things that have gone before, unless it was really specifically relevant in a way that's like it's a narrative or character way. So I don't care that the uniform's a different colour. I don't care that they've got holograms when they didn't. Like, I'm like, fine, we've moved on technologically as our society so we can do more stuff. Well, they did explain why they didn't have holograms on the Enterprise, that, which like, was, I did feel was super clunky. It annoys me because I want them to own it. I want them to just be like, it's a new continuity, whatever, get over it. I'm fine with that. Um, so the focus for me has always been on narrative. It's been on like, They've not told this effectively, or you know, they've not conveyed this idea very well, or sometimes they've been they contradict themselves, or sometimes they've just done something I think that's a really problematic narrative. Um, one of the things in Discovery is the way they treat women, and it is not nice, and people think it's great because the women are the protagonists, and yet I have views on this, which is the fact that women don't talk to each other in the first season of Discovery. They very rarely have conversations with each other. I did notice in the second mm. series how that change they make a point of it in the trailer yeah. I like to think because I think I, I think I'm sure some of the writers have seen my blog I like to think that there's a line in the trailer which might be there because I complained about it because I did a, a thing which was a statistical analysis of how much the women talk to each other in season one of Discovery really? and it was hard at all comparison to the men who talk to each other uh-huh. and the men are constantly having conversations that are plot relevant and stuff and the women will turn up and be like oh by the way I'm here and you're like even, even it's, a, it's a female protagonist. It's, you know, it's a it's a woman of color in the main main lead, and she's the only convict in Star Trek history. She's the only criminal there. She doesn't really speak to any other women. Um, the one of the ones she does, she gets into a fight with, and then she, that that person is also a convict, and we never see them again. Oh, I could go on. That's not. That's not. Sorry. Anyway, CrudeReviews.net does not just do that. CrudeReviews.net has talked about. Things like politics, I've tried to do, like, when I was being a bit more politically active, I tried to do, this is why you should care about what's happening in Parliament. Um, I've done some film reviews. I've done improv reviews. And this is going to be more relevant because I've done a review of Mayday's uh, Happy Never After, which is one of the best shows I've seen. Um, I've done a review of um, Love Hard, who are two of the funniest people. Uh, well, I think there's a collective, so there's, it's always two people, but one of them is, I think, Jacob, and he's always in this, and there's another one. I think the other slot sort of changed based on who's available. Um, they're so funny. I can't describe how funny they are. <laughs> and it, it is to the point where, again, it's that thing, like, like with Nas, and you're like, you, you couldn't have made that up. There's no way that the stars aligned in such a way that you could make that up in a coherent way. Like, no, I refuse to be. You must have this, you must have, like, learned an encyclopedia of jokes. They didn't. They're just, they're just geniuses. Um, <laughs> they're just fantastic, you know. Um, and I've also written out some my, my experiences in improv in general. So one was the May Days Retreat and how I had like a very emotional journey through that. Um, it probably gets weirdly personal. So, But that's fine. I don't really care. It's, it's cool. Yeah, so that's crudereviews.net. It's a bit, I don't really promote it. It's a bit dead at the moment. Like I haven't posted there in ages. So it's fine. You can go there if you want. Yeah. And if I get more visitors, I'll start writing more stuff. There yes! You there you are. That's, uh, that's incentive to, to go and visit it. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. So... If someone were to step on stage with you, mm. what could they do to delight you? Oh, um, I really like fully full emotional commitment. So we were talking about John Galkey before. Um, if I step into a scene with John, like we do at Jams, and I'm like, John, I'm madly in love with you. 
and he'd be like, I'm madly in love with you. I would just spiral. Um, so anything like that, like if someone comes up with a strong emotional commitment or responds to a strong emotional commitment, I'm like, yes, Grace, we can take this places now. We can do what we like with this. Um, it's lovely. James in my group does that a lot. I mean, my whole group does it, but James in particular, we have had some really touching scenes where it's just been like, but you're my best friend. You're my best friend. But but we haven't always been as close as we should be. I know. And like it just, it goes off. It's great. I love it. That sounds amazing. That yeah. sounds amazing. Um, so, big final question. Mm. What is your signature move? <gasps> what do you do that saves the day, brings the house down reliably, has everyone going, classic hawker? Um, I think classic hawker probably has different meanings in different friendship circles, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Tell me about them all. <laughs> yeah, no, I won't. I will, I will be married at the time. Um, so, in improv, I don't like to think of saving scenes... I like to. I like to completely deconstruct your entire premise, Stuart. Uh, Please do. I know. I I will always try and come on with as much energy as I can into a scene. Um, I'm all not bigness physically. I am big in every dimension, <laughs> around, up, across, you know, whatever. Um, but I will try and come on. So whatever energy is on stage, I will try and at least match it, if not amplify it, simply because. I, I, I love seeing high energy scenes and even like and I talk about high energy um, I suppose I mean you can have a very sad high energy like you can have like you might call it low energy but like you know sort of like you can you can be completely distraught or you can just be a bit sad and I like to come on again like you know big emotions big sort of yes you know enthusiasm about whatever's going on I have a thing which is like I think whatever you're doing in an improv scene has to be the most important thing that you your character are doing and that you as a performer to some extent are doing. And I don't mean in the sense of like you should get yourself wound up and nervous. But if you come on and you don't care or you act like you don't care, the audience will pick up on that and they will stop caring. I think you need to come on like, I care so much about this. Like the Oscar is on the line for yeah. me for this. Like I'm going to, this is going to make my name as a performer. You, you can remind yourself that it doesn't. But like, I think that's always the amazing performance when someone comes on and is like, yes, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm doing it to the max. And it can be like off in the back just being scenery and they could be the best tree ever but as long as they're being the best tree they can possibly be it's like great cool love that yeah watch that all day <laughs> fantastic thank you very much for being a guest on the Improv London podcast thank you Stuart <laughs> this has been like my ambition for like a year since I heard about it um, and I've made it that's it mum and dad I've done it um, yes well, thank you make your dream come true you have <laughs> on to the next dream uh, no thank you Stuart and thank you for um, being such a lovely person oh, thank and, you and, um, oh, by the way, Stuart um, is a great teacher, um, and also he does like wonderful stuff around mirroring and stuff and things, and like he does really good workshops. You got me into mirroring, which I think is the most important tool an improviser can have. Oh, so. thank you. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I I genuinely think mirroring is such a powerful, oh god, uh, an effective tool. So yeah, yes. thank you very much. No glad that it had that effect. Thanks, Stuart. Go do some mirroring. Yeah, do more improv. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Bye. Bye. <laughs> I made this. That's improv! <laughs> <laughs>